Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a doctor of pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Unlike your standard PharmD, KGI offers unique certificates in four specialized areas, plus 10 different experiential rotations and unlimited connections within the pharmaceutical industry. KGI even offers a six-year accelerated PharmD for those of you coming directly from community college. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash PharmD. Okay, welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Alexi, and today I am joined by Sabrina Michelle Hayden. Sabrina is a pharmacovigilance and medication safety postdoctoral fellow with Beijing and the U.S. FDA's Office of Surveillance and Epidemiology. She graduated from Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in May 2021 with a PharmD and is studying for her MBA in healthcare management with an expected graduation of next July 2023. Today, we are going to get to know Sabrina, understand her journey that she took to get to her unique current position, and hear what advice she has to share with students looking to follow in her footsteps. So let's get right into the interview. Sabrina, let's start with some background on yourself. Can you talk a little bit about where you're from and what made you decide to go to pharmacy school? Hi, Alexi. First, I want to thank you for allowing me this great opportunity to speak here on this podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Um, Sure. So originally, I was born and raised in Southern California, the Orange County region. Um, Honestly, I knew that I was going to be a pharmacist since I was 12 years old. I just didn't know where I wanted to attend pharmacy school um, up until I traveled back east with my parents. Um, When we got to Boston, it was such a cool city, and it just felt like the best option for me since New York City can be very overwhelming. And honestly, it was just too much change for me. Um, And Boston had the atmosphere of just young and upcoming professionals, which is where I fit in. So that's why I decided to go to Boston. Cool. And okay, so I actually want to go back. So you said you knew you were going to be a pharmacist since you were 12 years old. So how did you know that at 12? Um, Well, honestly, I think a lot of the times most people don't know what they were going to you know, be when they were growing up. But for me, I had some personal experiences that happened at a, at a younger age, and I got very close with um, a lot of healthcare providers, especially my pharmacist. So, you know, just kind of interacting with her and learning about her roles within the healthcare community and the fact that she was so impactful in my life, um, you know, made me just want to be more like her and, and started to pursue what that, what that meant and, and how to basically obtain a pharmacy degree from yeah, such a young age. So it's probably just a couple of reasons, but the biggest reason was, you know, a personal impact that a pharmacist made on my life that, you know, made me decide that I wanted to become a pharmacist myself. Okay, very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And then, okay, so we, we 
know about your interest in pharmacy. You ended up in Boston, like you said, at MCPHS. So can you talk a little bit about what sorts of activities you were involved in when you were in pharmacy school? And, you know, thinking back to then, what were your major interests at that point in your life? Sure. So um, I learned about IPHO's chapter, um, my IPHO chapter at MCP during my third year of schooling. Um, and from there, I attended, you know, weekly meetings within the IPHO chapter. And then around my fourth year of pharmacy school, I decided that I wanted to run as an elective representative in my IPHO chapter. So I ran as the IPHO public relations officer and was actually elected. Um, and from there, I was really more involved with the activities of my IPHO chapter. Uh, one of them was I participated in the VIP case competition, and I became more involved with the industry side of pharma. Um, during my fifth year of pharmacy school, I was the project manager for our capstone business team, where I collaborated with a team of you know, six other of my classmates uh, to create a strong business proposal that could be potentially marketed in, in the real world. Um, my jobs outside of pharmacy school started with my experience in a preclinical site in Cambridge, where I worked in both in vivo and in vitro lab experience, experiments on different types of animals like rats and mice um, to determine the safety and efficacy in the phase one and one uh, AB clinical studies. And from there, I was able to transfer my safety skill sets to clinical site. Uh, this clinical site was included in Newton Mass. So it was about 25 minutes by the T outside of my school. Um, from there, uh, that clinical site in particular specialized in Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative disorders, which was always of keen interest to me. Um, I worked closely with you know, different sponsor protocols, uh, clinical trial associates, clinical research organizations, monitors, and other FDA-related compliance requirements. Um, and in conjunction with this, uh, I actually was taking a study um, course with my uh, professor, Dr. Prefer. Many people that are at my campus know who I'm talking about. Um, from there, I wrote my first safety reporting publication with him on the history of clinical trials, uh, which was just to talk about the history of all the different clinical trials that were performed for the advancement of Alzheimer's disease. So all in all, it was really tied into kind of starting at that preclinical level, jumping from the uh, preclinical level to the clinical site, getting really more hands-on within um, the idea that safety could be intertwined within pharmacy um, and kind of getting more of like a publication uh, experience as well. And uh, just a bunch of other sort of things. So it was kind of a, a mix of different things that kind of led me into pharma. Um, but yeah, I would say during my third year of pharmacy school, uh, so halfway during the PharmD program was when I started to get my feet wet. Okay, cool. Very, very interesting. So yeah, the first thing that I think of when I listen to your story is usually, you know, when I ask a question like that, typically people will say, oh, they had like a, an internship at a pharma company or something. But your story is very unique in the sense that you had all these various experiences. So it's cool that it started with IPHO, right? Um, but then you had all these other you, you know, you kind of came at it from the academia perspective with the publication with a professor, but then you also got to work on, you know, protocols and clinical trials. So yeah, you had a very um, broad depth of, uh, of different experiences. So that's, that's really cool. And then 
you know, you were going through all of that. And then at what point during pharmacy school, if there was any particular point that you could, that you could point out, uh, that you decided to pursue a career in the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah. So, you know, going back to your original response about, you know, how I kind of got more involved within the pharmaceutical industry and not having an internship at a pharma company, you know, I did apply, but as we all know, it's very competitive. And so I really just tried to anchor myself in any possible other opportunities that could potentially be linked to the industry. Um, you know, it's great to have pharma industry experience during these internships, but it's not necess- necessary in order to get into the pharma industry. They really, you know, want you to be involved in industry and all other different kind of routes. So that's kind of how I got involved was I, you know, I didn't, I didn't allow myself to just be stopped because I didn't get a pharma internship. You know, I seeked out other alternatives to kind of get, you know, more involved through either the academic section um, or through working at a clinical site. So I had the scientific background also to leverage, you know, more, more skill sets. So, you know, I think, that's something that's a really good takeaway is, you know, yes, you can always shoot to get an internship at a pharma company, but uh, it's not the end of the world if you don't get it, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I guess like to your further point, uh, at what, you know, time interval did I start to really pursue a career in industry? Um, I would say it was like around my fifth year that I really started to do like a deep dive into understanding industry more. Um, I was elected as the IPHO public relations officer. Um, I was going back and forth from school and my studies to working at the clinical site, um, juggling, you know, work-life balance as a pharmacy intern. Um, But I really did start to reach out to, you know, postdoctoral fellows for just networking events, just to kind of um, hear their point of view, hear their functional area, kind of get a little bit more hands-on experience. Uh, within the postdoctorate fellows. So, yeah, there's just a lot of moving parts that were, that were really inside. Yeah, yeah. You touched on a lot of interesting points. So, I mean, yeah, your response about, first of all, how competitive the internships are. This is a point that has come up on the show many times, and that is 100% right. And I remember when I was going through the process, um, I think I got really well-worded advice, which I didn't realize until just now hearing you talk about this. And that advice was, not necessarily to get an internship, but it was get industry relevant experience. And in my case, it just so happened that yes, I was lucky and I got an internship at a pharma company. But in your situation, you're right. I think the vast majority of people having gone through that process and did not get an internship, I think most people would have quit right there. And they would have said, okay, I'll pursue a residency or or I'll do something else for a year and then maybe reapply. Um, So it just goes to show that you know, if it doesn't work out, there's plenty of other ways to get industry relevant experience. So that's a great point for for students that are listening. Um, cool. And then you said you were reaching out to other fellows, which is something I recommend, you know, anyone interested in industry do it doesn't matter what year you're in, the earlier you start, the better. Um, but you know, it's a very valuable thing to do as a student. And that kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, when you were starting to apply, how did you kind of research choosing a functional area? Yeah. So, you know, going back on my previous experiences, you know, um, 
at first, you know, being involved in the clinical site and in the preclinical site, you know, I had a lot of clinical development um, interest because that's what really I was I was known, you know, to do. That's what I was really involved in at that time. And so at first, you know, I was really looking at fellowships that were, you know, based in the clinical development sphere. Um, and I also wanted to branch out into the medical affairs sphere um, because just based upon my previous work experience and also just kind of my personality and where that kind of falls into, I thought, you know, I could leverage some of my hard and soft skills into these functional areas. Um, but it wasn't until the rollout for all the different positions that the ACPH mid-year convention released, you know, did I actually understand how many different functional areas that there are. Um, and so I remember just reading for hours, even all the different positions and saying, you know, oh, that's me, or that's something I would love to do, or definitely this one, you know, all of them, you know, sounded so interesting. Um, and so like me, and so, you know, I, I think I pegged myself too early into my functional area without actually, you know, understanding um, that there are so many different functional areas. And, you know, just because you have previous experience um, in one aspect doesn't necessarily mean that's the follow through. You know, it's really about uh, just being able to leverage, you know, your hard and soft skills and, you know, finding something that you're really interested in, you know, could be the difference between going down a route, you know, you know, well, versus a route that mm, you don't really know that well, but you're extremely interested in getting to know a little bit deeper. So, you know, I really had to think about what areas would suit me best and would be the most fulfilling within like my personal and professional goals. So, you know, what do I want for myself one year from now versus five years from now versus 10 years down the line? You know, all those time points look, you know, drastically different. Um, and so, you know, just going through all the different offers that, you know, you were able to choose from, from the mid-year uh, rollout, you know, and actually going through the interview process and actually meeting with the teams. Did I actually like finally click on the one that I, you know, I've chosen for, for myself. And, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not like humbled and proud of the choice that I made for the fellowship that I've, you know, been accepted into. So, you know, I think for me personally, you can go in with, you know, a set functional area but also just keep an open mind because, you know, if you if you truly have an interest in a different functional area that you may not have the best, you know, previous experience in, don't count it out um, because, you know, I, I honestly like I can't think about not being a safety fellow. Um, and if I would have said, oh, I'm definitely a clinical development fellow or a metaphors fellow based upon, you know, things that I've learned along the way you never would have tapped into this new department. And so, yeah, so just don't count anything out, really do your research, uh, read into the departments, read into the company and, you know, you'll find your way. It'll, it'll make sense. It'll, it'll click. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a Doctor of Pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash pharmd. You know, I think part of the process in keeping an open mind and 
talking to all these different fellows and all these various people in these different functional areas is, you know, as importantly, or I would argue even more importantly than finding the area that you do want to go into is understanding the areas that you know you don't want to go into, right? It's so much easier to kind of figure all of that out ahead of time as opposed to diving into an area that you don't know much about and then realizing it's not for you because once you're, you know, in it, in that role, it's it, it's tougher to, to kind of change. Obviously, people do it all the time. If you're a fellow, yeah, it's easy to change. But, you know, I mean, if you enter a career in a certain area, um, it might be a little bit harder down the road. So uh, I think that's another one of the really important reasons why you should keep an open mind when you're considering these things. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing your thought process. And speaking about thought process, I am curious about you know, what was your thought process when you were considering the route that you wanted to take to get into industry? So did you know right away you wanted a fellowship? Did you consider, uh, you know, a full-time uh, employee role or, you know, were you debating between the two at all? And if so, how did you weigh those options? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, for me personally, um, when I first entered into pharmacy school, you know, actually, I thought I was going to be a, a clinical pharmacist. I thought I was going to be a resident. So, you know, coming from the clinical side, um, you know, now transferring over to the business side was was a bit of a change for me. Um, it wasn't until like I got more involved within the industry experience um, and started working in that environment did, you know, I go, wait a second, this is definitely more me. Um, but of course, you know, I wanted a fellowship, but I knew the competitive nature of it. And, you know, I had to sit down with mentors and older classmates that, you know, had already gone through that process and, and understand, you know, what that looked like and weigh my options. Um, I knew I had a good chance of maybe scoring just one, <laughs> um, but you never know until you get that offer letter, right? Um the reasons why fellowships are so competitive is because they do offer a significant advantage over a full-time employment role. Um, that's not saying that getting a position as a full-time employee is not a great achievement in itself. Um, but the fellows do go do get you know usually a more one-on-one -on -one, uh, with higher position members in the cup in the company. Um, and this coupled with learning at you know quite fast pace and being placed on usually larger scale projects, the fellows tend to usually get offered those, you know, more senior level positions, higher paying positions post their fellowship, just because, you know, they did have that direct training and they were heavily involved in diverse project portfolios um, and thus harnessing a deeper level of expertise through all these activities. So, you know, yeah, I, I was gunning for a fellowship, right? Um, but it's it's very competitive. And you just, you never know until, you know, you hear back and, and you, and you know, you got it. Do you go, you know, oh, that, you know, this is what I wanted. So, you know, if I didn't get a fellowship role, you know, there's other opportunities to get into industry. So I, I would have looked and seeked out, you know, a full-time employee, employee, you know, role, because that's still just another way of getting into the industry. And that's still, you know, an achievement in itself. And it's still very difficult. Um, but personally, you know, I really, you know, wanted a fellowship and I, and I wanted to have that, you know, one-on-one -on -one direct training with my mentors. Yeah, those are all excellent reasons. And honestly, I agree with all of them. Uh, I think you're right. Getting 
an FTE role is also a great achievement. And I think the point here is, you know, no matter what way you get in, getting in is the hardest part, right? So however you do it, it'll all work out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree with your thought process there. And obviously I chose uh, the same route as you did. So that leads into my next question, which is that a lot of listeners to this podcast are current pharmacy students that are interested in learning about the fellowship interview process. So I wanted to ask you how you would describe your overall experience when you went through the interviews and what advice would you give to the students that are also planning to go through that process themselves? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, a key takeaway that I would say to the students that are about to enter into this process is expect the unexpected. Um, You never know who you're going to jive with. Um, During my ACP uh, interview process, it was during the heat of COVID. So for us, it wasn't an in-person event. It was all virtual. And so that kind of added another layer of complexity just because you know, when you're on a virtual meeting, it's it's hard to read the room. It's hard to get a sense um, if they are interested in what you're saying, um, if they like you, um, if they think you're fit for this role or not. So, you know, for me going into it, you know, there was a lot of times where I felt like, man, they don't like me, you know, in this virtual call or, or they're not interested in what I have to say. Um, But then I got offer letters (laughs) for those, you know, fellowships. So, you know, it it is it is about being prepared for the unexpected, you know. So, you know, just because you you don't think that the interview went as strong as you maybe would have liked it, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are not going to potentially move on to the next round of interviews. So for me, uh, my motto was, you know, I expected the unexpected because, you know, the interviews that I thought were really, you know, well, went well and were strong, um, you know, I got rejection letters from. So, you know, it's just hard because, you know, now that it's starting to go more into the direction of the virtual interview process, you know, that would be my first takeaway for students is, you know, never count yourself out until you you get a rejection letter, right? So that's that would be my first um, piece of information, piece of advice. Um, you know, just know that this experience, this interview process within the fellowships uh, is tough, you know, and just be mentally prepared for that. It is, you know, really tough. And I think a lot of students, I know myself, struggled with, you know, selling yourself, right? You have to market yourself in a way um, that shows that you're not only capable of, of doing the job well, but you know, that you're more capable than everybody else. And I think that's really hard for people to do. Um, So just, you know, be prepared to know that this this interview process is going to be, you know, on the tougher side. Um, But there's a light light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Um, And then honestly, be prepared to answer any questions regarding the portfolios that these companies have and any sort of breaking news that the company has just released. Uh, This shows you care about the company's progress and where the company is most likely heading. Um, And also, you know, my third takeaway is, you know, as you go deeper into the interview process and you get through more and more rounds, you know, it's not only that they're looking to hire you, but it's you also looking to be onboarded with that company. So you really should start asking, you know, those tough questions. And I know 
a lot of fellows get nervous asking these, but they really are important for you to know. So, you know, what does the turnover rate at your company look like? Or how, you know, likely am I going to be rehired after this fellowship ends? Are questions that, you know, you deserve to know and, and have the answers to. So, you know, just don't forget that as much as you know, you want to be hired by them. You also want to know, you know, what that hiring process looks like after the fellowship ends. Yeah, 100%. Those are all excellent points. So, I mean, the first part about how fellowship interviews are tough and, you know, expect the unexpected, I definitely experienced that as well. Um, I think certain companies, when I think back, were significantly more challenging in their interviews than others. Um, and I found that I was actually kind of, for some reason, more attracted to those. Like I felt, I found that I really enjoyed the, those like tougher interviews and everyone's going to define tough interviews in their own way. Right. But I found that I actually kind of enjoyed those interviews. It felt like the people in those interviews were really like invested in getting the right candidate. So I liked that part about it. And then the part about asking hard questions, couldn't agree more because you're right. First of all, we deserve to know, right? But at the same time, I think as a candidate going through the process, you know, once you're getting towards that last round that they're deciding between you and, you know, maybe one, two, three other people. And at that point, like you actually do have a significant amount of leverage and you should be asking those questions because uh, the interviewers, now that we've been on the interview side, right, this past year, um, what I've noticed is that the interviewers we know that all of these candidates are great, but I found that for a last round interview, usually everyone kind of knows which candidate they want, right? So it's very important that, you know, going through that, you understand that and you're able to ask those questions. Um, cool. So you were, you went through that process. You gave all this advice about going through the process. Now, can you talk a little bit about what was your thought process in actually choosing the fellowship that you chose? Besides the fact that obviously they gave you an offer. <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, okay. So for me, um, so I, I went through the interview process and it was tough. And, you know, it, it was during that time where, you know, I didn't know where I stood with a lot of the fellowships. And like I said before, you just, you don't know until you actually get an offer letter, right? You don't, you don't know where you stand. You, you could, you know, think you're doing really well. And then, you know, something just happens and it falls through vice versa. You know, you might not think that you did that well in, in the last round interviews, because, you know, just keep in mind that some of these last round interviews can last, you know, six to eight hours um, at a time. So, you know, you might say to yourself, oh, you know, I did really well with, with one person, but, you know, I didn't really feel strong with that other person. It's, it's really the collective of the team. And, you know, you just don't know until you find out, right? So for me, um, when I got offered uh, multiple different fellowships, uh, which was already uh, a huge, you know, and humbling experience to, to get more than just one, because, you know, then it was really up to me to decide, you know, uh, okay, so I have more than just one on the table. I don't have to just take that one. Um, I have options. So for me, I literally wrote up a list of the pros and cons of all three and just worked them out in my own head and my own mind. And, you know, some of the things that I thought about were, what are the things that I want to achieve during this fellowship? Or, 
would I excel um, or would there be t- potentially be a hard stop, a, a limit ceiling effect to my career? I could, you know, I could only get to a certain level and then you know, I wouldn't be able to, to bridge off of that. Um, you know, what other offshoots could I be involved in besides just my fellowship? Are there other areas that I could, you know, be a part of, you know, all of that, you know, together, you know, really showed me that, you know, I had to sit down and actually work out the logistics and the feasibility of each fellowship. And then, you know, I later came to the understanding that, you know, I, I wanted to learn more about patient safety. Um, and just given with my current fellowship, it's kind of a multifaceted view on patient safety. Basically, the easiest way of explaining it is a three, like 160 degree view of the inner workings that safety goes through. Because, you know, I get to experience the private pharmaceutical company aspect, as well as a regulatory agency aspect and all the inner workings that safety goes through with both. Um, also knowing that I would be their inaugural fellow or first fellow was, was very freeing for me. Uh, I could create my own path and I just, you know, I wouldn't have to necessarily fall in line with, you know, a previous fellow that came before me. I, I could, you know, stretch my own wings out and fly in different directions that potentially, you know, you know, I wouldn't have been able to tap into before, um, and I've enjoyed, you know, being exposed and placed on differing projects within a safety governance and project governance framework. Yeah. So you brought up a lot of great points there. Um, I, I think, first of all, you were very logical in your decision-making process. And that is something that I think we have in common. I think, um, just like you said, when you get multiple offers, it's obviously you're extremely lucky. It's a humbling experience and it's a good problem to have, but it is still a problem to have, right? Because then, like you said, it's up to you to make what you think has to be the correct decision. And I've talked about this on previous episodes and I found that to be a very difficult decision. I was afraid of making the wrong choice, but Mm -hmm. the way that, the way that you went about it with like, you know, pros and cons list. And then you talked about, you know, the logistics and the feasibility of choosing a fellowship. I think that is absolutely the right way to go about it. Um, being the inaugural fellow, that's something else we have in common. And just like you, I, I saw a lot of opportunity with that type of position. So um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting just to hear you explain how you thought through that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so now that you've been at your fellowship for, you know, we're at about the one year mark, I was wondering if you could talk about what sorts of work or projects you've gotten the chance to be involved in uh, up to this point? Yeah, so my fellowship is a trifecta fellowship. So going back to that whole 360 degree view of patient safety and what that looks like. So for us, you know, I started with Beijing, the private pharmaceutical company, and I rotated inside Beijing's three different departments on global patient safety. So we have an ICASM team, we have a global safety operations team, we have a safety science and reporting team. And so every three to four months, I actually was transferred into a new department. Um, And so this was a very um, extremely interesting experience because 
you know, I got to see when the adverse cases actually come into our safety database, you know, I actually was able to manually input these safety cases and understand the follow-ups and the queries that go into each one of these cases and then submit them to the retrospective regulatory agencies, right? So for China, for Europe, for the UK, um, for you know, all the all the Middle East countries for America, you know, all those requirements are all different. Um, and so really tapping into that was an amazing and insightful experience. Um, and then moving through the departments, um, you know, each of them had their own things that they really, you know, took, uh, you know, initiative on. So for global safety operations, it was, you know, compliance and trainings, uh, legislation tracking and monitoring, you know, what new changes in the regs are coming through, how can they impact our, you know, safety processes and, you know, keeping an eye on that. And I was a part of that, um, you know, going to safety science and epidemiology and, you know, looking at the risk um, versus benefit analyses, um, looking at risk management reports um, and signal detection and signal detect- uh, signal management uh, monthly meetings and looking at if there is any potential signaling that's come about from, you know, one of our products and how are we monitoring for that? Um, so all of that entwined is just within the first year of this fellowship. Um, so not only do you get a 360 degree view on the entirety of patient safety with the fellowship, but you get a 360 degree view in just the private pharmaceutical company. Um, and then from there, I'm transferring to Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, where that'll be the academic portion of my fellowship. Um, and then after that, I'm moving to Silver Springs, Maryland for the FDA portion of this fellowship. So I'm about the halfway marker right now, one year in, and I have one more year to go. Um, so from this experience so far, you know, what sort of projects have I gotten the chance to be involved in? during, you know, my fellowship up in this point, it's, it's a loaded question because uh, the short answer is a lot. Um, but my most recent professional work experience um, would be that I just recently came back from the Drug Information Association or better known as the DIA Global Conference in Chicago this past week. Um, I submitted my abstract back in, I believe, October of last year. And I heard back from the DIA committee around January, February, um, that I was not only accepted to speak, uh, but I was also asked to chair my session along with two other speakers in our track, uh, which was on project management and strategic alliances. Um, My team and I worked for months on major talking points and dialing into our slide deck to really highlight the areas from my own personal experience with inpatient safety. Um, But over the course of my fellowship, I've had just the amazing opportunity to expand more on my managerial side. Um, By doing so, I became a subject matter expert on a project within the Beijing Novartis collaboration that is currently ongoing. And that leadership opportunity gave me a better understanding of what it takes to work with both internal and external key stakeholders, and just the amount of time and effort that goes into making a successful business transaction transition occur. Um, 
But overall, attending the conference and representing my company and my department was a huge honor and privilege, and I did not take it lightly. Um, so yeah, it was. It's been a multitude of different things. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like you've gotten really, really cool experiences. Um, that conference presentation is huge, and the managerial experience. That's something that you know I'm finding that is really valuable to get in a fellowship as well. So. Um, it's great to see that you're getting all these experiences. It sounds like you love your program and I, I'm happy to hear that. So uh, my next question is, you know, I realize this question might be a little a little hard, but like, how would you say your fellowship has differed from what you were expecting when you started, right? Because I'm assuming when you started, you were like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to get all these awesome experiences, which it sounds like you have. But I was wondering if there was anything, you know, that does not align with what you were expecting or it's just simply, you know, different from your expectations. Yeah. So, you know, for me, when I started, you know, thinking about this fellowship and when I would be onboarded, the really the only thing that I was nervous about, um, you know, would be out of my control, really, um, was, you know, would I like my team and would they like me? Um, But I'm pleased to say that I absolutely love my team. Um, they are such good people, they're hard workers, and they're their own subject matter experts willing to share their advice and insights with me. Um, you know, I could not be more appreciative of all of them, allowing me to further my foundational knowledge and having the opportunities just to be able to tap into these different projects um, that I never thought safety could be involved in. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, the fellowship so far has been extremely fulfilling, both professionally and personally, and I wouldn't be anywhere where I am without my dedicated team. Um, there's not any sort of gaps or, you know, uh, low expectations, I would say, that I haven't, you know, seen in, in my fellowship. It's It's been really, truly a fulfilling experience. And you know, I've just been so humbled to be brought on this team. Um, I've been, you know, able to be placed on, on so many different interesting projects. So, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I, I missed out on anything, um, I think is, is the best word for it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's, that's excellent. And that just goes to show that your, your hard work and dedication paid off. You're in a great position and it seems like everything is going exactly as planned. So I'm, I'm happy for you. Um, so to conclude our discussion here, Uh, Would you mind just summarizing your advice specifically to students thinking about pursuing a career in industry? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, First and foremost, and probably the biggest takeaway is know thyself. Um, Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Um, But honestly, truly knowing yourself is extremely key in pursuing a a career in industry. Um, You know, knowing the difference between wisdom and intelligence, uh, the difference between confidence and arrogance, um, knowing how to navigate different personality types that, you know, may not be in sync with your own, all while maintaining a level of professionalism can never be understated. Um, Overall, industry is a fast-paced working environment that is constantly changing and adapting So if you can think on your feet, be able to listen and digest information for future innovations, and you truly love putting in the work to increase treatment options for our patients, then I would have to say that this is, this is the perfect career path for you. Awesome. Yeah, no, I could not agree more with that. And I think that's a perfect way to end. So 
Uh, Sabrina, thank you so much for being on the IPHO podcast. It was a pleasure getting to know you and getting to meet you through this. And, uh, you know, I think the students listening are going to get a lot of value from, from hearing your story. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, as always, of course, thank you all for listening, for supporting the show. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a doctor of pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Unlike your standard PharmD, KGI offers unique certificates in four specialized areas, plus 10 different experiential rotations and unlimited connections within the pharmaceutical industry. KGI even offers a six-year accelerated PharmD for those of you coming directly from community college. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash farmd.